Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Last weekend, we talked about putting away your idols. Um, And interesting, as you look at uh, the 10 plagues that God uh, brought upon Egypt, we can often look at those and think, wow, you know, God was pretty vindictive. But when you study it out, you actually see that these were acts of mercy, that God was trying to wake the Egyptians up and get them out of their idolatry. So the 10 plagues are aimed at the 10 key deities, false gods and goddesses of the Egyptians, and to show that they have no power when it comes to the mighty God. And as a result of that, not only were the Hebrews emancipated from Egypt, but so were many Egyptians. When you read through the book of Exodus, you find that a lot of the Egyptians actually went with the Hebrews to the promised land as well. And so, um, you know, applying that to modern day life, we don't worship uh, idols like they used to or even in some countries of the world today. We don't make golden calves and all of that. No, we're much more sophisticated in this day and age. We have other things that could be idols. Um, You know, Facebook could be an idol. The thing is, anything that actually takes you away from Jesus being preeminent in your life becomes an idol. And the question I want to ask is this, very simply, because you know how if you have an idol, where does your mind wander when you actually don't have to think about anything? So when you're at work, you're thinking about work. When you're with people, you're communicating. When you're on your own and you actually don't have to think about anything, where does your mind go? And uh, it's a good question to ask yourself because where your mind wanders could well be an idol in your life and, and... I want to tie that back into the 40 days of prayer and fasting because I encourage you, if you've recognized something in your life that could be an idol, why don't you sacrifice that idol during the 40 days of prayer and fasting? Uh, Go without it, whatever. Uh, And, 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 you know, if it's food, if food is your default, then, then sacrifice something in the area of food. Don't not eat for 40 days, please. Okay. Uh, but be sensible. But, you know, coffee can be an idol. Facebook can be an idol. Lots of different things can be an idol to us. And so think about that, pray about that, and look at something that you can either go without during that 40 days of prayer and fasting um, or something you might want to add to your life, uh, like random acts of kindness. One of the things I would encourage you to add to your life is, uh, is this devotional book. Christy and I are going to be doing this and many others at Bayside Church. It was written by Rick Warren. And uh, it used to be The Purpose Driven Life. He's rewritten it for a new generation, and it's called What on Earth Am I Here For? Which is a question I'm sure we all ask from time to time. (laughs) What on earth am I here for? Uh, Anyway, these books are for sale straight after the service. We've got a table uh, in the foyer, and uh, they're available for $12 each. And it's got a daily reading uh, from the Bible and a few thoughts from Pastor Rick Warren and uh, some things for you to meditate on. And you can either do this yourself, or you could do it with your husband and wife, or wife. Uh, you could do this with some friends. Uh, you could meet up for coffee uh, once a week or once a fortnight, and, and just for an hour or so over a coffee, uh, unless you're fasting coffee, uh, you could talk about what God is saying to you uh, from this devotional. So really encourage you. It'd be lovely if we all got on the same page with that and, uh, and that, and that would be something that would add value to each and every one of our lives. I want to finish the Moses More Than a Movie series today. Have you enjoyed the series? I mean, a good way to start the year. And uh, all the messages, um, unfortunately, we just found out this week that the recorder here had broken and, um, and we didn't know about it. So some of the sermons from this series, the audios, we don't have. 
um, but all of the Cheltenham audio and video are online. So if you have missed any of the messages, uh, you can go online and you can download the audio or you can watch the video online. Uh, just go to the Bayside Church website and click on the weekly message and there's a message archive there that actually has hundreds of messages and lots of teaching series from the last several years. So resources for you and, uh, and they're all free of charge. Let's go in our Bibles to Exodus 35. And you can take your own message notes today if you'd like to or they are on the Bayside Church website. And they're also on the YouVersion Bible app. But if you're taking your own notes, the message title is All Who Are Willing. All Who Are Willing. Exodus 35, we're going to pick it up at verse 4. And it says here, Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have taken offering for the Lord. I just want to pause there for a moment because this is really important. Now, we are all committed as, as a church community to bringing our tithe to the Lord. That's the first 10% of all of, of, of all of our increase, the first fruits of all of our increase. But when it comes to offerings, that is free will, and, and it's always got to be out of what you have. I, I've heard some dreadful offering messages over the years, and, and particularly when I've been over in the U.S., and, and some of the churches that I've visited over there at different times, and, and even in some other countries, and even in some parts of Australia, where the offering message is, is so strong that, that you'd almost feel guilty if you didn't put something in. It, it, it puts you under so much pressure. And, and I've seen people go into debt for an offering, debt on their credit card. You know, just credit cards are great as long as you can pay it off at the end of every month. If you can't do that, then you need to do plastic surgery on it. So you never spend anything on that thing that you can't pay off at the end of the month. And with offerings, it's so important. It's always out of what you have, not out of what you don't have. When you read in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 9, Paul says over and over again, put the offering aside for when I come. That was for the poor in Jerusalem. Uh, and, and, and he said, it's, put it away out of what you have not out of what you have, don't have. He said, I don't want the poor in Jerusalem relieved, but you in poverty. He said, I want actually your giving to bring an equality into the church community. So that's just a really important point. That's a little side sermon for you, and that was free of charge. Verse 5. So it's from what you have, take an offering from the Lord, and then I want you to notice there's a statement that you will see over and over again through the passage that we're going to read. Everyone who is willing is to bring the Lord an offering. And then he starts to mention various things that he wants the people to bring. And this offering was for the building of the sanctuary and the tabernacle, which was the temporary place of worship that they would literally carry through the desert. Whenever they camped, they would set it up. And that was for the worship life of, of the nation of Israel, plus the Egyptians uh, who had become Jewish proselytes or converts to Judaism. Uh, and, and so everything they were to give was to build that sanctuary. And I want to read this list with you and just make a note that some of these things we're very happy for you to give at Bayside Church, but some of them we probably would prefer uh, if you didn't. Let's read the list. Gold, silver, and bronze. No problem at all. Anytime. Thank you. 
Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, that's okay. Goat hair, not a big use for that. Uh, ram skins dyed red and hides of sea cows. We really draw a line at those, sorry. The um, ramskins are not a problem. The sea cows you'd have a great deal of difficulty with because they are now extinct. They were actually quite um, prevalent in the Red Sea. And uh, I was reading about sea cows yesterday afternoon. Had a lazy spare hour and I thought, hmm, what will I do? And it kind of sprung into my mind. I know, let me study sea cows. And so I did. It was a fascinating study. Uh, the closest thing to a sea cow now is a manatee or a dugong. And uh, they were kind of like, um, uh, they were crossed between a whale and a vacuum cleaner was probably the best way to describe them. And apparently the, the skins of the sea cows were very thick. In fact, they, they were more like the bark of an oak tree. So really, really strong. And these things were used as coverings over the tabernacle. Very tough, but we don't want them at Bayside, just saying. Acacia wood gets very heavy in the offering bucket, so give that a miss. And also olive oil uh, for the light, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, they make a terrible mess if you put olive oil in with the notes and the coins. So we'd rather you didn't do that in the offering bucket, just saying. Uh, verse 9, this is all good. Onyx stones, not a problem. Other gems, uh, we're wel you're welcome to put those in any time you like. Uh, and they were to be mounted on the ephod or the breastplate. Verse 10, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. Now, go down to verse 20. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence. Everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting. For all its service and for the sacred garments, all who were willing, men and women alike, came. Go down to verse 25. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, uh, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, and all the women who were willing and had skill spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. All the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord freewill offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, and son, uh, the son of Hur the, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze to cut and set stones to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts and he has given both him and Aholiab son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan praise God for Dan and word that's easy to say he's given these two guys the ability to teach others he has filled them with the with with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. Exodus 36 and verse 1. So Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person of whom the Lord had given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. And Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary, and people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. 
What an amazing passage of Scripture. Did you notice the things that just kept on popping up over and over again? There were two statements all the way through what we've read, and they're the two things I just want to highlight to you in the time that we have together this morning. First of all, all who are willing, and then secondly, all who are skilled. Let's look at those two things. All who are willing. Notice what he says here in these scriptures. Everyone who is willing. Everyone who has, was willing and whose heart moved them. I find that a fascinating statement. We often think it's our legs that move us, but it's actually our heart. It's what's on the inside. And this is not just talking about physical motion. This is talking about when we are moved emotionally. This is talking about when we're moved spiritually. Uh, ultimately, it's got to come from here, that willingness. All who were willing, men and women alike, all the women who were willing. Then it talks about what the leaders brought. And then all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings. And so it was men, it was women, it was leaders. Uh, the willingness was for anyone who actually wanted to be willing. Nobody was left out of willingness. And I want to thank you as a church that, that I find so many people who are willing at Bayside Church. And I want to thank each and every willing person that we have here uh, in this church gathering. It is so wonderful. It is so good to, to lead people who are eager and prepared to do something. Most of you would be aware that over the last few years, Christy and I and many others have been advocating for Andrew Chan and Mayu Sukumaran, two of the Bali Nine on death row, uh, who ten, almost 10 years ago were caught drug trafficking. And I want to say loud and clear here, because I know there's a mixture of opinion, even in our own church congregation, and our nation is divided pretty well 50-50 for or against these guys. We are not talking about soft justice when it comes to these men. I am glad they were caught. I wish to God and pray to God that every drug trafficker is caught. Every drug manufacturer, I pray for our local constabulary, um, that they will find the people that are manufacturing and trafficking drugs and that they will be busted and penalized. I think, I think you know, that is a no-brainer. But the Indonesian justice system has actually worked. So I'm glad they were caught. I'm glad they've been incarcerated. And over the last 10 years, these two men, as well as one or two other of the Bali Nine, have been completely reformed and rehabilitated. And so why we're advocating for them is not to get them out of prison, but to actually just get them off death row. So they might continue in Karabakan doing the amazing work that they are doing. They have been responsible for rehabilitating hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, many of them drug addicts and drug traffickers. I had the delight when I was there just a few weeks ago uh, to meet a man. He's now in his late 30s, early 40s, and he was a multiple drug offender. I was in the visitor's area chatting with Andrew Chan and Matthew Norman. And uh, Andrew introduced me to this guy, and uh, then he said to him, tell Rob your story, and so he did. His story was he was a multiple drug offender and drug addict. He was in and out of prison all of his life. Then he met Andrew and Mayuran, and uh, his life changed. He has given his life to Jesus. Uh, he is now out of prison. He's not on drugs anymore. He has a full-time job as a security guard. He's married, and he and his wife are expecting their first baby. That is one example of hundreds. Why I'm telling you the background of this is that 
In the paper over the last few days, there was a rather amazing story of a guy called Rico Ricardo. I had the pleasure of meeting Rico uh, just a few weeks ago, and our young adult team, when they were there late last year, uh, had the privilege of meeting him as well, and they were there when Christy baptized him inside the prison with the blessing of the prison authorities. Andrew led him to the Lord. Rico has now offered his life in place of Andrew's. He said to the Indonesian authorities, he said, please take my life and let Andrew live. That to me has got to be the most amazing example of willingness. It sounds an awful lot like Jesus to me. How about you? It's amazing leading people who are ready, eager and prepared to do something. Otherwise, it's like one of my favorite idioms and that is it's like herding cats. Have you ever thought about what that must be like to herd a cat or a series of cats? I'm, I'm a dog person and I'm sorry, you know, if you're a cat person, that's fine. I just want you to know dogs have owners, cats have staff. Herding cats. And sometimes it can be like that with people. And, you know, I felt like that different times as a pastor. It's like, oh my goodness, it's like herding cats, trying to lead and organize people who are uncontrollable and chaotic not you. I found a wonderful clip uh, about this during the week, and if we could show that right now, have a look at this very funny commercial. This man right here is my great-grandfather. He's the first cat herder in our family. Herding cats. Don't let anybody tell you it's easy. Anybody can herd cattle. Holding together 10,000 half-wild short hairs, well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning, right here. And if you look at his face, it's it just ripped to shreds, you know? You see the movies, you hear the stories, it's, I'm living a dream. Not everyone can do what we do. I wouldn't do nothing else. It ain't an easy job, but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them, ain't a feeling like it in the world. managing the complexities of the digital Isn't that classic? I love that. I'm going to post that on Facebook during the week, so if you want to see it again, I've watched it about a hundred times, and every time you watch it, you see something new. And I just love the guy who goes, you know what? I'm living the dream. <laughs> I'm a cat herder. <laughs> anyway, if you're like herding cats, don't be one. Change. Let me give you four points on all who are willing, just very, very quickly, four observations that I have from, uh, from this passage of Scripture. Number one, God champions those who have a can-do attitude. Uh, this entire passage of Scripture is cheering on those who contributed because they want to. And this gets back to a great risk that God took when He created people. He gave us something called free will. And that's why we see so much mess in the world today, because God created people with free will, the will to do what is right as well as the will to do what is wrong, and God took that risk because it was worth it. Because ultimately what He wants and what He's getting gradually over the process of time with the church of Jesus all around the world is a group of people who willingly love Him, follow Him, and serve Him. Otherwise, you've got robots. 
And that's no good. I love getting home at the end of the day to be greeted, not by robots. It would be horrible to walk in the house, you know? Hi, Rob, welcome home. I love you. We have missed you. It would, it's like, I just program to say it. I love that, you know, pitter-patter of little feet and screams of delight and you're home, you're home. That's how Christy welcomes me. And then there's the children as well who love me and, and put their arms around me and welcome me home. It's a wonderful experience. Isn't it great? I mean, you're here at church. Wouldn't it be terrible if we were just programmed to love each other? But we're actually willing, and, and, and that is satisfying, and God champions those who, who are willing, who have this can-do attitude. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19, it says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. There's a promise to the willing. Number two. The unwilling are not mentioned. We read nothing in these verses of those who were not willing, although the text infers that they existed. Because over and over again, it says those who were willing. Otherwise, it said everybody brought. But everybody didn't bring. And some people didn't bring because they didn't have. And that's really important to understand that. That, that they, they, they just didn't have the ability to give. That's why right at the beginning, it says out of what you have. And so that's why some people... Uh, they might have been willing, but they didn't have the ability. Uh, but some people weren't willing, and that's fine. We, we read nothing about those people. They're not mentioned. Robert Frost, the American poet, says, The world is full of willing people, some willing to work, and the rest willing to watch them. Some people in the church are like that. Eleanor Roosevelt, or Roosevelt, put it this way, Freedom makes a huge requirement of every human being. With freedom comes responsibility. For the person who is unwilling to grow up, the person who does not want to carry his own weight, this is a frightening prospect. Number three, Moses doesn't try to get the unwilling to be willing. There weren't signs posted around the encampment in the wilderness, you know, um, make you willing seminar this Sabbath. Everyone who's not willing, if you'd like to be willing, please come to this seminar this Sabbath. We'll be sharing nine principles with you and a CD set's going to be available as well for all the principles on how to make yourself willing. No, he didn't do that. He didn't try to make the unwilling willing. And, and can I say to you, if you find yourself unwilling to serve God at the moment, and there might be a very good reason for that, and I don't want this message to be seen as beating up on anybody. If, if you've been going through or are going through an extremely difficult time in your life, or maybe you've come from another church uh, where you served, you know, kind of ridiculously, and you've worn yourself out, you are welcome to come here and to sit and relax and allow God to minister to you. That's so important. And I believe over the process of time, God will heal you and get you to the point where you go, you know what? I'm restored. I'm rearing to go. But if you find yourself unwilling, and I do sometimes, I, I find my, my heart is not as willing as I would like it to be, I just pray. And David gave us a wonderful prayer in Psalm 51 and verse 12. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit. Just make it your prayer. God, I'm not overly keen on my heart attitude right now. Could you make me willing to be willing? Grant me a, a willing spirit. Number four, the unwilling still benefit from the willing. The unwilling still benefit from the willing. Here in the 
the scriptures that we've read today, they're all the willing people who brought offerings and the, and the worship life that God had commanded uh, for these Hebrew people was, was made possible because of willing people, and then the unwilling still benefited from that. I think that's just something that that we've, we've got to understand. Over the years at Bayside Church and uh, the Cheltenham campus has been going for almost 23 years and, and I think we've been going here for what, nearly, is it about a decade? Yeah, wow, how time flies when you're having fun. And over the process of those years, what you see around you and what you see happening in and through this church community is possible because of people being willing. And not just people being willing now, but people being willing in the past. Even if you're unwilling, you're actually benefiting uh, from the willingness of others. The seat you're sitting on right now, you're enjoying the comfortable seat because actually a member of our Cheltenham campus visited here one Sunday morning and sat on a plastic chair and said, I am willing to buy chairs for the Frankston campus. And he's, he gave us several thousand dollars. He just brought, bought all these chairs. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God for that willingness, this whole building, because people were willing to actually do something. The ministries um, through uh, our church um, that uh, are happening around the Bayside area as well as in other nations, things like the exchange that you saw this morning with the, with the delightful Rosie Batty, what an amazing lady. She is. That's all possible because people are willing. You're hearing this right now because of willing people, not just because of willing volunteers who are working and, and willing people that are looking after your kids so you can enjoy uh, this gathering, but also because people have invested so we could actually buy a sound system. Willing people are paying the power bill so that we can actually turn on the lights and the air conditioning and, and, and you can hear it. And, and I could keep going on that, but I think you get the message. The unwilling still benefit from the willing. So that's the first bit, all who are willing. Secondly and finally, all who are skilled. In these verses that we've read in Exodus, it mentions seven times, all who are skilled among you. And as we read this passage, we see that God gives skill to those who are willing to use their abilities. Now, I want to differentiate here for you between three different things. I think this is really important. The three things are knowledge, abilities, and skills. Let's understand the difference between these three things. First of all, knowledge. Knowledge is what we know. It's what we learn. It's either theoretic, theoretical or practical, and it's an understanding of a subject. So you, you get that by going to school or uh, university or to a college or a TAFE or by reading a book or watching a documentary or whatever. We're learning in life and we get knowledge. But if all we have is knowledge, it'll just make us arrogant. I've met some fascinating Christians over the years who know their Bible back to front and inside out. And I, I know this book pretty well, but they know it far better than I do. And, 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 and they're very happy to tell me and they know it all. They've got every T crossed, every I dotted. Uh, they know the answer to everything. And, uh, you know, people like that really annoy those of us who really do. You guys are a bit slow this morning. <laughs> now, you know what I'm saying? They just know everything. And, and there's an arrogance that comes across with that. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 8.1. He said, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes people arrogant, but love builds them up. That's why it's so important. This book 
can either bless or kill. And it's been used for both over the years. It is the sword of the Spirit, but it was never meant to wound people. Because this truth has to be mixed with love. And when it's mixed with love, it's a blessing. But if it's not, if it's just some head knowledge stuffed in some brain somewhere, all it will do is cause arrogant damage. I find it fascinating that we can remember the names of our teachers who were really good or really bad. We don't remember the ones in the middle. I remember some of my really good teachers, and I remember one particularly bad one. His name was Mr. Bowen. This was at um, Belmont High School in Perth, which was a very rough suburb. And anyone who knows Perth, uh, I went to Belmont High School and lived. <laughs> it was a tough place, and Mr. Bowen was a tough teacher. He had more degrees than a Melbourne summer. And yet he couldn't communicate his knowledge. And he was just a nasty individual. He, the, it was just back in the 70s, back in the days when you could actually hit kids and, uh, in school. And he used to have this long ruler. And uh, if you were mucking up in some way or doing the wrong thing, and if you had your knuckles on top of the desk, he'd wrap you over the knuckles with the edge of the ruler. It was a nasty piece of work. So I learned one thing in his class. And that is, keep your hands under the desk. <laughs> he had a lot of degrees. He was a very intelligent man, but it was all here. He didn't have the ability to communicate his knowledge. And that is what knowledge is for. Knowledge is for expressing and helping other people. I love those two guys, even though they have really weird names, Bezalel and Oholiab. It says in the Bible they weren't just skilled themselves, they also had the ability to pass their skill on. They had the ability to teach others. And that's what true discipleship is all about in a local church. Yeah. 2 Timothy 2.2, Paul said to Timothy, the things I've taught you teach to faithful people who can teach others. And that's each and every one of our responsibility here in this local church. What you know, find one or two other people, pass it on to them. And it's not just Bible knowledge, it can be life skills, mentoring, encouraging those around you in the church community. So that's knowledge. Number two is abilities. Abilities are qualities of being able to do something. They are either God-given or learned or they're genetic. So some of our abilities, our abilities we inherit from our parents. I inherited from my mum the ability to talk and the ability to listen. Two great qualities, especially if you're a pastor. I learned from my parents a great love of gardening, although I don't get to do it as much as I would like to, which is why I really have a very good friend in Aaron. <laughs> but I didn't inherit some things from my parents. My dad is an artist. He, he does beautiful artwork, and, uh, and Christy is an amazing artist. She does phenomenal artwork and, and Gigi, our eldest daughter, does beautiful artwork and Paris seems to be developing in that area and so does Trinity, but not me. I can't even do stick figures in proportion and the kids love it. They say, come on daddy, do a stick figure, do a stick figure, do a stick figure and they go, <laughs> they just laugh at me. And my dad is an amazing handyman as well and uh, <laughs> and uh, 
I didn't inherit his skill um, for being handy. In fact, you know, I remember as a kid growing up at home and Dad would say, oh, come on, because he was always building something. He was always making something. And uh, even to this day, he's about to turn 85 and uh, in his garage, uh, he's got all of his tools put out on the wall and, and he's got the lead drawing around them so he knows exactly where the tool fits and, you know, he's just amazing. And so as a kid, He'd say to me, come on, come on, help me with this. And, and I was reluctant. I wasn't willing. I was like, oh, because I don't want to do it. I don't like doing it. I said, come on, come and give me a hand. And so I'll go and give him a hand. And after a while, it was, Rob, why don't you go off and do something else? Because he realized I was just um, a liability. So I don't like doing handyman stuff. I'm not skilled. I don't have knowledge. Um, I really don't have the ability. We have a wooden front gate uh, at our place and it's, um, it's attached to a metal frame. And uh, Gigi, my eldest daughter, normally is running late for school in the morning. So as she's running out of the front door and out of the front gate to try and catch the bus in time, she, she slams the gate behind her. And uh, I talked to her the other day. I said, could you please stop slamming the gate? And I don't know if it's worked yet. We'll find out tomorrow morning. Now she was slamming the gate and this nail was coming out and out and out and out and out. And I looked at the nail and it was haunting me, this nail, because I thought, I really should bang it back in, but I don't like doing that. Anyway, I went into the garage and I have a little toolkit. You'll be surprised, but I do have one. I got out my hammer. It's very shiny because it rarely gets used. And I thought, how hard can this be? And so I got the hammer and I thought, right, I'm going to knock this in. And I, and I whacked it a couple of times and then the whole thing bent. Oh, really? And then I tried to knock it out straight again and it just turned around, you know? <laughs> like, this is driving me nuts. And so in the end, I just gave it a few jolly good whacks. And so the whole thing's bent and, and is now embedded in the wood. And there was, I was telling this story last night to our, to our Saturday evening service at Cheltenham and there was a couple of guys uh, that were cracking up laughing because they've actually seen the gate. And they came up to me afterwards and said, do you know why you couldn't whack it in with a hammer? I said, no. They said, it's a screw. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> well, there's a difference. <laughs> See, I didn't get that ability from my dad. So, <coughs> so the abilities you have, they're either given by God, they're learned over time, or they're genetic. And if you don't have the ability, just do something else. I've got a little clip that Jimmy can put up for you right now. I found this during the week, and, and this is a guy uh, knocking a nail into a piece of wood in a very different way. There you go. How good is that? It just keeps going, Sonny. <laughs> Thank you, Sonny. <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to try and compete because if I start, there'll be no end to it. <laughs> right now. So that's knowledge and abilities. Thirdly is skills. And skills are your knowledge and abilities developed through three things. Training, experience, and grace. So you've got knowledge. You've got ability and you put those together and then you get trained in that. 
and then you have experience in it, and then the grace of God comes upon you. And so I've noticed, say, for example, as, uh, in, my, in my working life as a radio announcer, um, I have had an innate ability, and I got knowledge. I went along to um, a, a, a TAFE in Perth, uh, did night school as a radio announcing training. Then I got my first job, and I was lousy, but I gradually got skill in that area. And then when I gave my life to Jesus, the grace of God came on me, and the gift went from here to here. Over a matter of months, I went from their night announcer to their breakfast announcer. I went from this average guy who the boss called him one day and said, you're boring. If we'd wanted someone to read funeral notices, you would have been our choice. That were his words to me. I ended up being his brekkie announcer because of the grace of God. And we need that. You've got knowledge, you've got abilities, but you need skill. You need to develop those things by being trained, by having experience, and by having the grace of God. Skill is a wonderful thing. I heard about an emperor who needed a skilled person. He was the uh, emperor of the rising sun, and he needed to employ a new chief samurai. So he advertised, and over the process of time, three people came uh, forward for the job. There was a Japanese samurai, a Chinese samurai, and a Jewish samurai. And so he invited them in, and he said to the Japanese samurai, right, you show me what you've got. And he brought this little box, a wooden box, and he put it down, and he opened it up, and a fly came out. And the samurai got his sword, and he went, Phew. and then the fly was in two equal parts on the floor. The emperor said, that's amazing. So he said to the Chinese samurai, can you do better than that? And he said, oh, I certainly can. So he brought his little box and he opened it up and a fly came out and he went, and he looked down and there were four equal parts of the fly on the floor. The emperor said, that's amazing. He looked at the Jewish samurai and he said, can you do better than that? He said, I sure can. So he got the box and he opened it up and the fly flew out and he went, like this. And the fly was still, the emperor looked at him and said, that wasn't very good. The Jewish guy said to him, do you know how much skill is needed to circumcise a fly? <laughs> is that all right to tell that in church? <laughs> I normally bounce these things off Christy, but she's been away. <laughs> it's just like, because <laughs> I'd read that to her and go, is that okay to say in church? She'd go, No. But she's been away, and I thought, ah, oh, just tell it anyway. So I'm glad she was away. <laughs> so I could tell the joke. So. <laughs> when we're connected to God, our skills reach their full potential. And so all the way through, it tells us he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, in all kinds of skills, over and over again, repeating how wonderful it is to have the touch of God on your life. And it helps us in every area. The touch of God on our life, the Spirit of God, the grace of God helps you in your work. You are, an you are a better employer or employee. You are a better wife or husband. You are a better friend. You are better in every area of your life with the Spirit of God in you and the grace of God upon you. You can reach your full potential in Him. Let me finish with a couple of thoughts. First of all, discipleship at Bayside is all about training, experience, and grace. And I've loved watching it over the years um, in, in our church community. 
uh, of people that have come in and been here for years and have grown and developed. Uh, I, we have a, a young guy, Mitch Wynn, who um, many of you will know, and he's on our children's ministry on a regular basis and uh, also in our worship team. And uh, Mitch was the first baby that I dedicated at Bayside Church back in the funeral parlor days in Cheltenham in 1992 he was a one-year-old baby and you know I held him in my arms and I laid hands on him I prayed for him and we dedicated him to Jesus and uh, now he is uh, what almost 24 and been on staff been a, and and is in leadership in our church and uh, it's wonderful to watch uh, ability and knowledge and skill develop uh, in the young people of our church but also every age group every single one of you, precious and valuable. And so this is Contribute Weekend. And we're looking for all who are willing and those with skill, as well as those who would like to develop their skills. It's about using your time, your skills, your abilities, your resources in serving God and in serving this Christian community and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful. Well, we're going to pray right now. Um, I'm going to invite Aaron McKillop to come uh, in just a moment. We're going to pray over Aaron. Who knows Aaron? Quite a few of you, the, uh, the dashing young man on the front row. Um, I've known Aaron for, my goodness, how many years is it now? 15? 13 years, all right. So he came in uh, to Bayside and uh, he's this cheeky little teenager. And uh, he, he said to me one day, I think he must have been about 16 at the time, I was standing at the door of our Cheltenham Auditorium and, uh, and he knew I trained at the gym. And he walked in one day, and he was training for uh, footy, so he's, you know, pretty buff. And he walked in one day, and he just looked me up and down, cheeky little 16-year-old, and he said, oh, when did you stop training? So it's been a running joke uh, between us ever since. Um, but can I tell you, just all, in all seriousness, he and Katie... Uh, a wonderful couple, and uh, a number of weeks ago, Aaron, Aaron's been preaching uh, here in this service um, for well over a year, and uh, a number of weeks ago, he sent me an email, and he said, you know, God's really put the Frankston campus on my heart, and he said, would it be okay if I started going every Sunday, and I said, yeah, absolutely, um, and I'd been praying uh, for you guys, and uh, the next step uh, for um, this part of our church community and uh, I really believe that God put on my heart to put Aaron on staff um, and he's going to be on staff just just a small amount in the beginning a day or maybe a day and a half if we can stretch it um, uh, but he's going to be the Frankston campus coordinator and so he's going to literally tie all the things together Stewie and Sonia um, have been doing a wonderful job and will continue um, as our Frankston campus pastors and I love what you guys bring here and Everyone here loves Stewie and Sonia and their family, don't you? Yeah. But you know, the thing that's, that's concerned me and has also concerned them, and, and, and Stewie and I had a, a long lunch a few months ago and was just talking about this, is that Stewie and Sonia both work full time. And so their time is very limited. And so we need someone who can be here every Sunday like they are, but also uh, can tie all the various areas of the church community together. And one of our goals for this year um, for the Frankston campus will be to make it more Frankston-centric, okay? We want to raise up uh, more leaders here. We want to have a leader over every 
age and stage pastorally. We want to have a leader over community care. Uh, you know, just everything. We want to want to make sure that there are people on the ground here. Uh, so it's it's a, you know a local church, your local church, and uh, and and it's wonderful that that we're joined together. You know, Cheltenham and Frankston and all of the resources of the entire church. Um, are behind both campuses, which is just wonderful. But Aaron is going to be on staff doing that. So you're going to see him every week. You're going to be hearing him preach more often and being a part of what's happening here. And uh, we want to see this fly. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. And so stand up, buddy. This, this man is a son of the house. He really is. And he and his wife are just absolute gold. Katie uh, is on full-time staff with us for just over another week. She is incredibly pregnant. And uh, in March, I think, middle of March, 27th of March, is going to be giving birth to their first baby, which is very, very exciting. And so uh, you're going to be seeing a little bit of Katie as well over the process of time. And I said to her, you know, you'll be able to go into the mother's area and make sure that's all flying as well. But uh, they are a wonderful couple. They are equally yoked uh, in Jesus. They are both passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're passionate for the local church. Um, they're, a, they're a son and a daughter of the house. Uh, they're two of our finest at Bayside. And so I just want us to lay hands on them right now. If you'd like to stand together and uh, Stewie and uh, other leaders, Pete and Judy. Uh, Peter is Aaron's, Aaron's dad. Come on, Reverend McKillop. <laughs> he and I have the same sense of humor, so just pray for us, will you? He said to me, he's sitting there in the front row last night, and, and, he was, and everything I was about to say, he could say it before I said it. Scary. Stretch your hands out to Aaron. Let's pray. Awesome. Heavenly Father, just want to thank you for this amazing young man, Lord God. I thank you for your call upon his life, Lord God. I've, we've noticed the call now for many, many, many years, and we've been waiting on you for the right time, Lord God. I thank you for his faithfulness, his passion for you, Lord Jesus, and his love for the local church. Thank you for him and Katie and their hearts for this community. Father God, I pray right now by the laying on of hands, we separate him and we separate Katie for the work of the ministry at Bayside Church here in the city of Frankston. Lord God, may the anointing of your spirit fall upon him right now. Fill him to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. It's not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the living God. Thank you for the ability you've given him. Thank you for the knowledge. Thank you for the skill. And I pray that these things will be developed as he steps out into this new role. This is the next stage of what you have for him and for Katie. And we sanctify them to this end. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Why don't you put your hands together for him? So good. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.